Hello, Victoria, and well, well, well. Well, well, welcome. It's still Christmas. <laughs> it's limbo time. It's not Christmas. It's that period between Christmas and the New Year, which some people call Twixtmas, but I've decided, oh. to, I've decided to call Taintmas. <laughs> Is it tainted for you? It taint Christmas and it taint New Year. <laughs> What kind of language is that then? You must have heard of the taint before. Your taint? <laughs> yes, well, anybody's taint. Your taint. Everybody's heard about your taint, Ben. How about Jizzy Jizzy's taint? Taint. Tell you what, she'll have, she'll have been very fondly acquainted with Jeffrey Epstein's taint. Do you think so? I think I he's know. more, I think other people, she directed other people towards his taint. <laughs> I think she probably, well, we know she did now, don't we? Oh, taint was... over till the fat lady sings. Which fat lady would that be? The skinny lady, the skinny socialite sings. And boy, is that canary singing right now. Do you think she is singing? Fuck. I mean, wouldn't she have... If There's she been was a gonna, verdict. If she was going to squeal, wouldn't she have squealed before to get the charges dropped or done done a, done a sort of a, a deal to avoid court? Of course, she, of course she'll try not to squeal until she has to, which is now. Wow. That's what everyone's strumming their fingers, aren't they? Is that everybody's hoping she's going to squeal? I'm strumming my guitar. <laughs> Do you think there's a few trembling taints among the rich and powerful who oh were entertained God. on board Jeffrey Epstein's various yachts, aircraft and massage tables? Do you know what? Tables. They're so rich and so powerful, they don't care. However, That's... people are saying that they do. My former colleague Sheila Fogarty made a good point. She said... The only difference between this story and the Rotherham and sort of like, you know, Bolton sex gang stories is that in those those stories, we're talking about fish and chips and sort of strong lager and um, gin. Now we're talking and, and sort of like, you know, clapped out BMWs. And now we're talking about champagne and caviar and yachts. And, that's and of the, course, I have experience of both. <laughs> Indeed. I'm back to the chip shops again, though. <laughs> so back oh, at the kebab shop. That? That's interesting. I love the way you call it Rotherham sex gangs. That sounds rather fun. <laughs> Badly packed kebabs. <laughs> I actually used that phrase about three days ago. <laughs> I think I was referring to who's this lady? Claire Goodyear. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. We're gonna come on to her, aren't we? I hope not. <laughs> oh, Are you, Ben? Do you like the look of her? <laughs> Goodyear of Spencer Street in Northwich. Well, I, I'm not her type anyway, because I haven't got four legs and a tail. Oh, dear. But oh, I don't I think it's just that. Anyway. I think under the under the age might also be another thing that Goodyear's Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm too old of. as well. Oh, my God. And to be fair, so in my awful. mid-50s, I'm too old for most people. The sun calls her... Total sicko! Total sicko. Well, Peter we're going to come talking about Total I'll tell sicko. you why. Peter Fall jailed for having cocaine-fueled sex with <laughs> Alsatian. <laughs> God, that really is quite revolting, isn't it? And this is the listenership that we appeal to. I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Jizzy Jizz. Yeah. Jizzy guilty, says the headline in Victoria Mitzi's head. <laughs> so... Just, I mean, I don't know, for those who have been under a rock or hibernating or on planet Venus, um, Jelaine Maxwell, <laughs> Aren't you on planet jizzy Venus? jizz to her friends, or actually not her friends, um, has been found guilty of 
all but one of the six counts she faced, including the most, and she's been found guilty of the most serious charge she faced, which is that of sex trafficking a minor. And this is a jury which um, had been deliberating for five days in New York uh, on this case, where they'd heard various evidence from um, young women or who said they had been trafficked um, via Ghislaine Maxwell for um, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, who is known to be a sex abuser, uh, to abuse. Um, and one of them has said um, after the verdict that this is going to bring solace to her and she hopes the other survivors too. Nice intro. And of course, we've got investigative journalist and of docu-series Chasing Ghislaine fame on Discovery Plus, which is now streaming. We've got Vicky Ward's interview, part de, which is very relevant for background, I think, because it sort of gives a little preempt to the tentacles of power that we're going on to talk about in just a moment. I, I was quite surprised when the guilty verdict threw if i'm being honest i thought that the jury would struggle to be absolutely sure that she was a willing accomplice and that this wasn't a case as the defense had tried to persuade them where effectively this woman was being put on trial because the real guilty party jeffrey epstein had killed himself in prison but the more I look at it and the more I look at what the accusers said, and it's very clear the jury believed these accusers, um, it's clear that Ghislaine Maxwell was very much involved and for whatever reason had decided that she would facilitate um, the sexual perversions of Jeffrey Epstein. Um, the other thing, of course, is where I think she really did slip up was she didn't give any evidence in her own defence. And I think we talked about this last time, that it is incredibly difficult for juries to acquit people who don't want to stand up and say, it wasn't me, I didn't do it. But I also heard another attorney say the reason for that is that she is an incredibly bad witness. She's arrogant. She gets into squabbles with the legal counsel. She's you know, she does not play well. She does not come across well when she is in the witness box. So I can sort of understand why perhaps her legal team thought the, the only thing more likely to um, convict her than her not giving evidence is her giving evidence and coming across as this horrible sort of, uh, you know, aloof, superior woman. Um, Interestingly, we've been hearing also from the witnesses that they both, Epstein and Maxwell, were magnetic. And we'll go on to hear in a moment about Vicky Ward's account of this halo effect, which was enough to sustain, in some cases, the abuse some of the victims have recounted. So... It would have been interesting, I thought, for that reason that Maxwell might well give evidence. But no. Yeah. I, I say, I mean, I, if you're a lawyer, you have to, if you're, and you're advising your client and your client has the good sense to follow your legal advice, you have to be really, really sure that the, the benefits of actually standing up and saying, it wasn't me, I'm in, I am innocent, are going to be outweighed by either your client's unpleasant personality, which appears to be the case um, in this trial. Where'd you get that because, from, Ben? Or because they're lying and because, in fact, 
they yeah. will be tripped up by the yeah i thought it was that but unpleasant personality do you mean because of the threats that she made to vicky ward no, I think... Uh, uh, that Epstein actually made, but yeah. she certainly well, we're kept come her on mouth to that, shut. But no, this is more... As I said, I saw one of the attorneys interviewed um, in the aftermath of the verdict and was asked, why didn't she give evidence in her own defence? He said, well, her legal team felt that because she she's very superior, she gets into... You know, presumably they will have rehearsed her on the stand and discovered that she doesn't play well. She comes across as very superior, very aloof, very full of herself, very arrogant and conceited. And she will um, argue the point with legal counsel, which does not play well with jurors. And they thought, well, she's more likely to talk herself into a guilty verdict if we put her on the stand than if she doesn't. Talk herself into a hole. The other thing that I'm not quite clear about on this is how um, where Virginia Jeffrey uh, sits in all of this, because we we yeah. know she is one of the most prominent accusers um, of Jeffrey Epstein and uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. She is also the one who is accusing uh, Prince Andrew of uh, of having sex with her under duress. Uh, or she was under duress, she says, three times. And she is taking legal action against uh, the Duke of York, as well as against Ghislaine Maxwell uh, in the United States. And I'm confused as to why she wasn't one of those who was giving evidence in this trial, because although we know um, all about Annie Farmer, because she agreed to go public and reveal her identity, the other three accusers who all gave evidence during the trial uh, were known only by kind of fictional first names because they were they are entitled as, as sex um, as, as underage sex abuse uh, sexual victims to uh, be anonymous and they chose to uh, retain that anonymity which is completely understandable but if Virginia Jeffrey was one of those given that she's been very prominent in her accusations in public before I can't quite see why she would choose anonymity in this case so that leads me to believe that she isn't one of those three. That's what I believe, but I do know that her response has been one of relief and something which, I mean, she says on Twitter, her soul yearned for justice for years and today the jury, as, as in just out, um, gave me just that. I'll remember this day always. Having lived with the horrors of Maxwell's abuse, my heart goes out to the many other girls and young women who suffered at her hands and whose lives she destroyed. What I wanted to say was that Maxwell's reaction in court, according to the BBC, was that as her sentence was read, Maxwell showed no emotion in court. She poured herself a glass of water, took two sips, and then a lawyer gave her a hug. And then she was led out of court. That I find that quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole thing was weird. That was our reaction, wasn't it, with Vicky Ward, when all discussing Ghislaine and... Jeffrey Epstein together the whole thing doesn't it seems to be a puzzle with missing pieces and I think I mean from there was a lot of conspiracy stuff on Twitter yesterday I don't know if you saw any of it uh, no I didn't and it just suggests that there's a big paedophile ring I mean people love doing that when it comes to this kind of stuff they've always done it haven't they yeah I only but, go on Twitter to tell people who voted for Brexit they're fucking idiots but I've noticed I usually join in if I see it it's quite good for this kind of thing because it would be great to see... I mean, the Me Too thing is yeah. something that this has been riding on. Uh, scapegoat's word I thought we couldn't get away with out using yeah. in a synopsis of this trial. 
obviously. You know, paedophilia is, is something which, quite rightly, she received a sentence for it. However, if other people are not, and she's the scapegoat for a man who's dead, then did she receive fair trial? I mean, you pointed that out to Vicky Ward in your questioning. Yeah. Mm. And how much of this is a show trial, which I've never agreed with, whoever they are. So let's see what comes out of this. And the next step will be... Prince Andrew. (laughs) Everybody's talking about what's on the cards for Prince Andrew out of this. And everyone says he's shitting himself. Yeah, I bet he is. He's he's actually sweating. I bet he's got a trembling taint. A twaint. Twaint, a trembling taint. I think it's more than that. His taint's probably wet. (laughs) <laughs> He's got a sweaty taint. Nobody yeah. can't. I thought he said he couldn't sweat. Yeah, I know, but there have been so many images like photoshopped of yeah. him massively, or anyone who's caught an unkind, sweaty shot of him certainly <laughs> posting it now. I think people love to see the royals sweat. Yeah, that's that's. It's also what goes on in this particular country as well about media coverage of certain people, and they love to sort of go, "Oh, you know, Her Majesty, God love her," and all of this. And then on the other side, if they catch like the the ugly side of that with Harry and Meghan, for example, yeah. And it's happening with Andrew now that he's just catching. The Brits can either really love you or really hate you. Yeah, that's true. Media yeah, wise. And it can switch in the blink of an eye. Exactly. And it's happened to Meghan and it's now Andy's turn. And yeah. actually, I hope he gets it. If he's guilty, he should get it and he should show up and he should face the music. But this is interesting. Catherine Mayer was telling the BBC and she's a, a social commentator she's written a book and she's gone to she went to china with the duke of york and she's written about prince charles and so on she's a journalist and she um she's questioning the whole role of the monarchy which isn't popular and what's going to happen going forward because you know it's at a crux really megan started to chip away at their veneer she was making it into quite a big issue about parliament and about the constitution and about the whole setup which is really shaky on shaky ground now and i found that quite interesting she also merged that with sort of women's rights and how me too has affected all of this um let's just have a little listen to what she says the monarchy um which has been in a crisis anyway um has been dealing with this by not dealing with it. I mean, he lost his trade envoy gig in 2011 after an investigation exposed his ties to Epstein. And then, um, of course, Sarah Ferguson, his wife, had taken money from Epstein to pay her debts. He then went and stayed with Epstein after the release from jail. And the palace at that point simply redeployed him. They actually had a sign saying welcome when they got to China, the Duck of York. <laughs> the Duck of York. <laughs> the Duck of Pork. Mm-hmm. And he's crispy. <laughs> so she describes herself as Mayer, M-A-Y-E-R of London on her Twitter handle. Um, <laughs> I thought it was an interesting perspective and I think um, maybe we do need some reform. What do you think, Ben? Duck of York. I like that. <laughs> hmm. We need more cider and more silly news. So, um, well, that, that's interesting. I mean, you know, the whole royal family. I mean, it, it's 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 a thorny. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not anti-royalist at all, which seems to surprise people. But I'm not. I think that the 
the royal family and the pageantry and the history is something that is to be protected and is in some ways to be treasured. The problem is <laughs> they are only human and they fuck it up and no one's fucked it up quite as much as Prince Andrew has managed to fuck it up. Correction though, I don't think the Queen is human. I think she's sacrificed her human status for being uh, an apparatus of state. Oh, I thought you were going to say she's a lizard. Or a lizard or a Jedi. A Jedi. As she refers to herself. (laughs) But I just want to remind us of what Prince Andrew's accused of. Well, remind myself. Um, Virginia Jaffray says that she was the victim of sex trafficking and abuse by Jeffrey Epstein from the age of 16. And part of the abuse involved being lent out to other powerful men, including Prince Andrew. Um, I know it's a bit sort of obvious to spell that out, but I find it quite interesting in that Prince Andrew in his Emily Makeless interview said that because he's a prince and because they have many staff and uh, Epstein had many staff, he didn't actually acknowledge people. In the background. Did you hear that bit? Did, really? Mm-hmm. And he said, I mean, I can kind of understand that. If you have lots of staff, I mean, I would notice someone in my house because I don't have that many, many staff. staff here. Not that many. Well, count them. None. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. I'm just going to give you a count. Oh, none. Yeah, zero. <laughs> yeah me. <laughs> um, I'm basically the slave. I'm, I'm the slave around here. Non- oh, non-sex God, variety. Oh, whoa. You can't actually be your own staff, can you? You can't employ you. Uh, companies do, don't they? You oh, they yourself. do. That was, well, that was the tax cheat. You should know the, that by now, well, I didn't. I was, I was always a humble employee. But they, 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 it was the tax cheat that lots of newsreaders did, wasn't it? Sort of like they basically created a company that was them and they hired themselves and then paid uh. themselves massive bonuses. Do you think they had a round of applause when they came into their front door? <laughs> yes, well? definitely. And they didn't need to... Um, what was it? It was very what what the phrase is tax efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, tax efficiency is part of all of this, I'd say. Well, you should know that now. You work for um, the government, shouldn't you? I work for her Madge. You do a <laughs> Madge. <laughs> oh, the royal finalia. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't notice the woman who was accusing him of having underage sex with her. <laughs> Fucking hell. Jesus Christ, this man. And then what is his option to face the music? If he faces the music, look at what happened during that Newsnight interview. He fucks <laughs> it up even worse. We're still talking about the sweating thing. And he really the... screwed the pooch, didn't he? But he can't get it right. So he was dropped, wasn't he, as an employee. But yeah. he still gets, we worked out, didn't we, a few podcasts yep. ago, that his mum's still keeping him afloat. It's yeah. just embarrassing. What should they do with him? It's difficult to know, really. He's ben, not, you're he's, good he's, at getting out of the I mean, he was a he was a helicopter pilot in the navy, and then he left the navy what thirty years ago. I mean, what use is he to anybody? What he was the world's worst trade envoy, wasn't he? I mean, what exactly is the point of Prince Andrew? Is quite a good question. What other job could we think up for him that he might do well? Oh. Oh, that's a difficult one. <laughs> Other than bungling money out of people and handing it over to Fergie. Yeah. Well, hang on. Does he always hand it out to Fergie? That's what he got done for, isn't it? Oh, was it? Yeah, and she was there kind of doing deals with, uh, you know, shake your booty. Shake your booty. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you, don't you remember the news the world set her up? Oh, and no, they, and she was there shake. going, oh, I could shake? get you in contact with the fake shake. The fake shake. Oh, God, well, yeah. What wow. flavour. 
Uh Her fake shake brings all the boys to the yard, and it certainly did. (laughs) But that is his, you know, because he lives, he goes on, and that's what the woman that we just played in, Catherine Mayer, said. That he says to her, would you trade with me? My life's quite weird. You know, but it's no excuse for paedophilia. Yeah. You know? I just don't, I don't have much sympathy, especially with someone like, we've all got, like, other people have weird lives for reasons that they can't control. You know, he can walk away and not keep, oh, terrible imagery, keep suckling off the royal teat. Sucking off the, the wizened royal teat. I've grossed myself out. <laughs> the wizened royal teat. <laughs> anyway, we pick up now where... Vicky is continuing to tell us about the abusive nature of this partnership of Epstein and Maxwell. And then we go into more detail of the witnesses and her role in it. It's gripping stuff. Well, yeah, we, I mean, we've been talking to Vicky Ward, who's been in court throughout this and actually has a sort of a personal link with uh, Jizzy Jizz. So she's well worth listening to. You know, I'm not easily intimidated. I, I kept reporting. And I believed that when it came to the farmers, I believed, you know, I spoke to their mother. I spoke to the artist, Eric Fischel. I spoke to a businessman called David Schaffer, um, who all said that they were aware of what had happened to the farmers at the time. And so they were contemporaneous witnesses and they stood they said, yes, this is what the farmers did tell us happened at, in the mid-90s. So I thought <clears throat> we had the reporting. Um, and, you know, obviously my boss has said he disagrees, he's entitled to his opinion. But what? But here's, here's what I don't know. Well, what I do know, because I have an email from the fact checker, is that as the Vanity Fair article was closing, Jeffrey Epstein appeared at the offices there. Um, and she sent me an email about it. And so Jeffrey Epstein and Graydon Carter had a conversation and nobody's ever revealed what that was about. But after that conversation, the the farmer sister's allegations were cut from my article, which I found enormously, enormously, enormously upsetting. Back then, believe it or not, they, in a way, I think I remember them being almost more sanguine about it than I was. Um, well, they were, they were nice to me about it because I felt absolutely terrible for them because I felt that the fact that I'd gone to, to Jeffrey Epstein about them, that I'd spoken to Gillian Maxwell and with the allegations, um, had obviously exposed them and that this guy was clearly dangerous. And... You know, I think part of the reason I wanted to make the documentary series and the podcast was because I, so I sort of really wanted to talk about this for, for a very long time. And it happened again. I then tried to write a blog where my words got, the farmers got cut out, my words got rewritten. And, um, you know, we fi- I finally did get the farmers' allegations out there in 2015 for a different publication. I worked with Annie Farmer on that and with their mum to help me, but it, it was many years too late because obviously between 2002 and 2015, 
Um, we now know that Jeffrey Epstein abused many, many, many more children. Um, so, <clears throat> um, you know, this, the whole thing became personal. And then, you know, my doctors were very concerned about the amount of stress that all of this was causing. And I went into labor very, very prematurely, just weeks after the piece had gone to press, but before it had been published. And so when my kids were born, um, weighing only two pounds and three pounds, um, and obviously had to be hospitalized, I was, I was really, really afraid that he was going to comfort them in some way and had to talk to the hospital staff about it and ask for extra, extra protection. So the whole, you know, <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein, for me, isn't just one more story to report on. It has a whole different um, dimension in my life. And as for Ghislaine Maxwell, you know, after all this, I didn't, I wasn't particularly anxious to run into her. But here's what was so, what was so weird, is that a few years later, I did run into her. And she was with this guy, Ted Wade, who was a billionaire, uh, founder of a computer company called Gateway. And my husband was in the, was a banker for technology and media companies. He was very keen to meet Ted Wade. And um, to my surprise, she, she and Ted Wade bounded over at some book party or whatever it was. And she introduced Ted Waite, who was clearly her boyfriend, made it very clear that they were living together on the West Coast and she was now busy piloting a submarine off of his yacht and she'd been working with Bill Clinton, they both had. And it was as if Jeffrey Epstein and the whole business with the farmers had never happened, that she was in a completely different place. And um, when was that? So I'm trying to think, I think it was like four or five years later. It, it would make sense because I think she started dating Ted Waite in 2004. And I was, did, that Vanity Fair piece that came out in 2003. So, um, so, you know, it was very plain to me at least, I mean, she never mentioned the farmers, obviously, <laughs> never mentioned Jeffrey Epstein. Um, and it was very plain to me that she was very clearly signaling that whatever had happened in the past, it was the past and that she was now in a completely different life and a completely different man who did seem perfectly nice. Um, and, um, and that she was, you know, she still had all these incredibly famous and important people who she was traveling with. And I think that um, the impression I got was that that is the trajectory that she would have stayed on had not the photograph, the now infamous photograph, Prince Andrew with his arm around the waist of Virginia, Roberts Dufresne when she was only 17 at least according to her and Ghislaine Maxwell smiling on in the background. Once that got published in 2011, it was really in some ways the beginning of the end 
you know, that was the year that Ghislaine Maxwell and Ted Waite split up. You can possibly draw your own conclusions or, you know, guess as to why. I mean, but they did split up. And once Virginia Roberts then supported the allegations she'd made when, when she had that photograph published, in the Mail on Sunday, she then supported those allegations by filing in, in courts in Florida and naming not just Jeffrey Epstein as someone who'd made her his sex aide, but also, but also in, involving uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, but naming other prominent men, uh, including Prince Andrew as well. Um, you know, then the civil litigation that ensued from that um, in many ways has directly then led to further reporting on Jeffrey Epstein, which then in turn um, led to Congress finally waking up and saying, hang on, why did this guy get such a light jail sentence back in 2008? And what really went on, which then led to the reinvestigation of Jeffrey Epstein, which, you know, and his his rearrest and death leads us to where we are now. So in some ways that, that photograph the, the, is where we are now. And the reason, one of the reasons I say that is you have to remember that even after Jeffrey Epstein had gone to jail um, in 2008, 2009 and got out, he still wasn't a household name. It, that was very much a Palm Beach story. Ghislaine Maxwell, was known within the sort of billionaire set as someone who was part of that world. She wasn't a well-known person. The person who was well-known was Prince Andrew. And it was his celebrity that I think really turned the spotlight onto this couple. And it took 10 years to get there, but ultimately put them in spotlight, in such a spotlight that, that, that the Justice Department and Congress in America just couldn't, couldn't ignore them or the allegations that have been flying around and what appeared to be a grave uh, miscarriage of justice. Vicky, what's your sense of um, coming now to the, the current court case, how she has come across in court and how pivotal do you think it'll be? I, I suppose it's inevitably going to be pivotal if she, uh, how she comes across when she gives evidence. So I don't think she's going to give evidence. The reason I don't think she's going to give evidence is because the defense has said um, that they only expect to put on a case for two, two to three days. And if she was going to take the stand, I would imagine that that, that would go on a great deal longer. I mean, I would, I would love for her to take the stand. Um, you know, hello, my name's Guillermo as well, let me explain. Maybe here for some yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that would just be fantastic. Uh, but unfortunately, I, I don't think it's it's going to happen because you have to remember, the defence doesn't. The government is the one who, that has to prove their case. The defence is, you know, she's presumed innocent unless the government can pr prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, how she's being caught. Um, so I, I went to see her actually a couple of weeks before the trial started. There was a couple of hearings um, where she showed up with her lawyers precisely because I really wanted to get a close look. And 
um, I was quite taken aback because, you know, there have been all these stories of um, how badly she's been treated in jail and that she's lost so much weight. And I was expecting, someone said to me, you're going to be shocked. Well, I was shocked, but not in a way, <laughs> not for the reason that I anticipated. She had, um, and I think it, this was new, she had dyed her hair black and had cut it. So it's a shoulder length uh, sort of bob, which <clears throat> is a much different look from the look she had when I, you know, would run into her, which was very much the pix very short pixie haircut. This time it's a much softer look. Um, it's, the, it's the wavy, thick, um, black, except, you know, she's dyed it black. Um, kind of hairstyle that she had when she was in her 20s, when she, you know, the pictures of her with her father. She looks much more like that. And she was also, when I first saw her, and every time I see her, she certainly hasn't been in handcuffs or shackles. She's been wearing a turtle neck, you know, polo neck sweater and uh, dark trousers. And <clears throat> she's been clutching a bottle of water, usually Fiji, notice that, and, um, or a cup of Starbucks. And she's looked, um, you know, she has a mask on, but she actually, she doesn't look uh, painfully thin. She looks actually quite a lot better in some ways than when I think I last ran into her. I'm trying to remember when that was, but it was at some event supporting the oceans, which were her big passion. Um, I think maybe around 2016, 2017. So she looks actually um, above the mask. She looks um, well. And I noticed that she and her lawyers make a big, uh, I mean, they're very tactile. She has two female lawyers, two male lawyers. They're all very physical with her. And the first day that I saw her, her, Jeffrey uh, Pagliuca, one of the guys, we have brushed her bang her out of her, off of her forehead. And, you know, the women give her big, big hugs. And she looked, you know, she certainly looked then, and that's the opening week of this trial. Um, she looked engaged. Uh, she's writing a lot of notes. Um, and you know, relaxed is the wrong word, confident is the wrong word, but she didn't look fearful at all. Um, definitely not, you know, you got, you, you got the sense she was in, in this to win it, uh, which, you know, according to all my reporting is, is, is the case. Um, but I would say that last week, her lawyers were clearly really upset to lose the battle as to whether or not these photographs of her with Jeffrey Epstein could be submitted into evidence and seen by the jury. You, you would have seen them now. There's one that, where, they, where most people think that Galen and Jeffrey were at Balmoral. Um, but there's also a picture of her with sort of her, you know, she's massaging his feet and her shirt is pushed back and sort of her cleavage is out. It's, it's a quite sort of sexual, image and her lawyers were very noticeably cross and upset that they lost that 
battle for the jury and the rest of us to see those photographs. Not least, I suspect, because what the defense is trying to do is say, is separate her out from Jeffrey Epstein and say that she worked for him, that <clears throat> she wasn't she wasn't sort of joined at the hip in the way that people might might think that they were and therefore she didn't necessarily know everything that was going on in his life so those photographs were damning um and she she looked really agitated and really upset and kept that carried on into the morning you know she came into court and she was really gesticulating you know with her hands with her arms her lawyers were you know rubbing her shoulders you know clearly sort of comforting her and she very much um wanted to talk to her brother kevin who is sitting in the front row behind her it's him and his and uh, their sister isabel and a, a lawyer uh, whose name is Leah, I'm probably going to mispronounce the last name, but Saints or something like that. But Kevin Maxwell, who has had a lot to do, I think, with quarterbacking with a defence team, um, is somebody that she clearly views as a mentor. And so I would, you know, and this week I would say there was there was a turn. She, she, she had been more upset by the turn of events this week than the week previously. The other, the other thing that she's done that is quite different um, is she sketched the sketch artist. <laughs> but, okay, so that was one thing. But then the following day, she turned around and she stared at me for a very long time. And, and you know when someone stares at you that you then look, turn to the person at your right and your left is she looking at me or is she looking at you and um, we realised that she was sketching us all of us mm. and that was and you know she did that during a break they sometimes when the judge wants to have a private sidebar all the lawyers disappear out of the room the jury's not there so she's left basically sitting there by herself so to use that time to turn around <laughs> look at stare all of us we we didn't quite know what to make of all of that how strange yeah. so um vicky i mean thinking about you know the, what you've told us here about the time when she suddenly burst into tears the time a couple of years later when you ran into her and it was as if nothing had happened and seeing her now i mean what's your sense of who she is oh. i wish i could give you <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. No, it's like I wish, uh, I wish I could give you um, an answer to that. I am as puzzled. You know, I was shocked to learn in you know during testimony that he and she shared a bedroom in Palm Beach. Because I had always understood, you know, I mean, he told me, he told me they were not a couple, but he also told me she didn't work for him. Well, that, that is clearly not the case. Um, it's actually clearly not the case that she was having this jet-setting life that she kind of made us all think she was having, because in fact she was 
working incredibly hard for him, you know, running his houses, overseeing the construction, um, decorating his place. I mean, she actually had a huge job, uh, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't the image that I don't think any of us had of her. Um, and so, you know, there they are sharing a room and yet, you know, the butler is being told to take down her photograph. Yeah. Um, so, that's so awful. It's a pretty these... shitty thing to do, isn't it? Like <laughs> turning down the photographs. Like... So you, you are, um, and I do, you know, I report this in the documentary series that, you know, he did launch with these other women, adult women, in front of her. And suddenly you saw her have to sort of, him, Jeffrey had bounced into a room where she was working on Sunday afternoon, this other person was there. He bounced in with a model and bounced out and it was humiliating for her. And uh, this man said to her, you know, you don't have to do this. You don't have to put up with this. Well, you know, you just don't need to. And she said, yes, I do. My, my father taught me, you do whatever it takes to keep your man. And so, you know, one of the reasons I spent so long talking about Robert Maxwell in my documentary series is because I think that the parallels between him and Jeffrey Epstein are probably very important. You know, these are both men who have great wealth. They're both men who wield power, Robert Maxwell more blatantly so than Jeffrey Epstein. Robert Maxwell, because of his publishing empire um, and its global reach, was really welcomed uh, by many national political leaders, which did make him a man of tremendous influence around the world. Jeffrey Epstein's influence seems to have been more in the shadows, but they're both men who were part of the elite. They're both men who, who, who some people, people they wanted to charm, found them very charming, but they were also men who were, who were cruel and brutal and used their money to control people. And um, there's no suggestion, obviously, that Robert Maxwell was a child molester, but there is a lot of evidence to, set, to suggest that he was a misogynist. And that uh, even though Ghislaine was his favorite daughter, supposedly, he could be very, very cruel to her and that the Maxwell children, for all the wealth that their father had, they, they never forgot it wasn't theirs, it was their father's. And, you know, I suppose, um, you know, with Jeffrey Maxwell, uh, with Jeffrey Epstein, that, that, that there, there do seem to be similar patterns for whatever reason, he had a hold over her. That meant that she put up with all these other women that, you know, grew, you know, she didn't drink because he told her not to drink. She, you know, he told her to lose weight. She lost weight. But, that bought, he had a hold over her that, that is similar to the hold that her father had over her. But I, I wish I could uh, be clearer on all the contradictions at play here. Because, you know, when you met, when I first met her, there was no Jeffrey Epstein visible. <laughs> you know, she's somebody who went to Oxford. She had, she knew so many important people in the world. She spoke six or seven languages. You know, 
I, I, I've always just thought, why, why didn't she just, I know when her father died, it must have been terribly, terribly disorienting. But why didn't she just go and get a job? <laughs> because, <laughs> because, because if anyone had the qualifications <laughs> to be, it's got to be successful. She did. It's a. It's you know. I mean, wow. But Vicky, you say in your it was your podcast that you said right. that actually. Um, this giant web of men is how you refer to it, rather than being painted as um, an accomplice to Epstein. Do you think she might have just been caught up in this web? Is there a possibility? Well, I'm sure that the defence, you know, we know that they're calling a psychological expert who's going to talk about Jeffrey Epstein's quote-unquote halo effect. And the halo effect, according to this doctor's testimony, is, is an ability to overwhelm people with their brilliance and manipulate them and so that they can't see things that you don't want them to see that you, you're, you're able to compartmentalize your life in such a way that, it, that the people around you are so dazzled, they literally see just what you want them to see. And I think you are, that the defense is going to say that yes, this, that he was like the spider and it was his web um, and she was caught up in it to some degree. She, of course, she helped him. I mean, she knew a lot of people. She helped introduce him to these. She introduced him to Prince Andrew, for example. She, unlike him, who'd grown up with great wealth, she, she knew how to run staff and run his houses and all the sort of etiquette. And he didn't. I mean, he'd grown up in Coney Island, Brooklyn. So she was, you know, she was, in, you can see that she was, uh, why he would have found her useful, unquestionably. And I also think the fact that he, he figured out that rich people are very interested to meet scientists it's sort of something she, he would have learned from her because Robert Maxwell, you know, one of the reasons that he was very sought after by all sorts of political leaders was because Pergamon Press, his publishing house, published scientific journals. And if you're, if, you're, if you're running a country, you kind of want to know what your neighbor's science is doing, you know, how advanced is the latest submarine technology? You kind of need to know that stuff. And, you know, I was looking back at the, my notes of what the conversations I had with him, the transcripts of the, of the conversations, because I ended up recording him because he, he got the threats got so dreadful. He actually mentions that, you know, Galen's role in helping him meet all these scientists who then he then in turn introduced to other rich people and kind of created the sounds for the rich atmosphere. Anyway, that's a very long-winded answer to your question, but that is what the defence is going to argue, I'm sure. It's fascinating, and it's also painting a slight picture to me of somebody who's dying to be useful. Right. Would that would you think that that was a correct assertion? Well, from you know, just based on my reporting, she she adored her father. Clearly, wanted to be useful to her father. You know, I tell the story of how she took the Concorde to New York to pick up these shares for him, went back. How another time he sent her as his ambassador uh, to dinner in New York, and they got very upset with her when she didn't give him a properly detailed enough account of it. Uh, so she corrected that very quickly. So if one does take the view that Jeffrey Epstein was the replacement father figure, 
in her life. And of course, she'd want to be useful to him. Of course, she'd, she'd want to make herself indispensable in the same way she, she always wanted to be indispensable to her father. And perhaps going to terrible ends in order to do that. Well, that is obviously, you know, the implicit suggestion in the indictment crossed the line. So we anticipate more surprises then? For sure. I think everybody, well, the first surprise has already been that the defence has said they've got a list, well, the defence has given a list of 35 people who could be called as witnesses for the defence. That's a lot more witnesses than were called for the government. Um, now, they don't, they don't have to call all of them. But, but the second thing is that they have asked, they said at the end of last week, that a few people have phoned wanting to testify, but under a pseudonym or using their first name only. And the judge reacted quite badly to that and said, well, this is not the sort of thing I was expecting to be asked at this very late stage of the trial. That's the kind of thing that should be brought up weeks and weeks ago. And she said, all right, we'll look briefly, but I'm only going to make a decision on this on Wednesday night. So, you know, <laughs> Thursday is going to be a bit of a nail biter. We, don't, we really have no idea of what's coming. Well, they're the best kind of cases to cover, aren't they? Yeah. Nikki, <laughs> thanks so much for sharing that with us and, you know, giving us an insight into what it's been like in there. Because obviously this side of the Atlantic, we're all watching on and keen to see what happens. Um, your series is streaming on Discovery Plus at the moment, and it's all had a, a great response, so I understand. So um, well done with that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow, interesting. Very yeah, interesting. Very interesting. And your listening face is very interesting as well. I might take a screenshot of it. It's not my <laughs> come face. <laughs> sort oh, of cardboard. That, nobody's got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> it does verge on conspiracy. Uh-huh. I mean, seriously, if some paedophiles, some worldwide network of rich above the law paedophiles needs to be outed, I'm all for that. Well, well, indeed, who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't want those pedos outed? Out the pedos, out the pedos! Who would say, I know, let's let those rich worldwide conspiracy of pedos sort of like, you know, keep it on the down low? You may say that, Ben, but... Everybody has done. Everybody has what? That's the whole point of all of this. The people have turned a blind eye. And it's come to the point that it's so bad that this woman has to be kind of nailed for everybody else's shit. Yep. That's the only aspect that I think, oh, fucking hell, I'm glad it... You know, I don't like a scapegoat, as I've just said before. But at the same time, this... I mean, this woman should have been more careful but I don't, I mean, is it is it a mistake? You know, Vicky Ward talks about women being targeted by these big power figures. Is Jizzy just one of the women, as well as being an aggressor, she's also a victim? That's the thing that becomes more apparent to me, that she was trying to please Jeffrey and ended up going down with the shit. Do you think she was... She was just trying to appease him. Well, I mean, that's, you can this, see because, she was just hanging off him, wasn't she? And that's yeah, I mean, that's the said, point. Just please I mean, him. She was in it. Well, presumably, she was in it for the money, though, wasn't she? 
Uh, well, did she need the money? She could always live off someone. Trust fund people can always find another person to bunion off. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I found it all fascinating. I don't think there's enough time in the day, but uh, I think Vicky Ward, she knows what's going on. And I was interested to see her social media response, but she's kept it on the down low, as you just so trendily said. I don't think she's tweeted as much as I expected her to be, to, to, but I think there's more to come from that corner, isn't there? She's doing her, her articles. Do you think that she is going to blab? Maxie? Yeah. I really don't know, because did either of us expect this verdict? No, no, no. I, I, well, I don't know. Did I, did I expect this verdict? It's, it's a difficult one, if I'm truthful. I, I don't know if I did actually. No, I'm not sure I did. So, who knows? I mean, if she's going to blab, is it now? I think that's the main thing to ask. Is this, you know, has she missed the opportunity, like you said? Yeah. Will she do it now if she hasn't so far? I don't know, but maybe there's more to come to save her bacon. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Mm, anyway, it's not going to be a fun the thing is that, year. But the thing her, is, this is whole business of her blabbing, you see, I'm not sure, and I'll tell you why, is I just think if you're Jizzy Jizz and you are arrested and you know, you've hidden in that really difficult place to find you, your own house, and the cops finally come a-knocking and you're arrested and you're facing a knock, trial. Knock, knocking on Jizzy's door. You're facing a, a trial, which is going to be hugely embarrassing. You are then facing the possibility that if you're convicted, you will be sentenced to life in prison. And my understanding is if you're convicted in a federal court, there's no possibility of parole. And until you know the end of your sentence. And which in her case, given her age, is likely to be lifelong. And you that is the point at which you sort of put on your big girl pants and you say, actually, do you know what? What kind of a deal can we do if I dob in all the very rich, very wealthy, very powerful men who have actually been the ones procuring this because they were providing the market. She was, you know, just the vessel. And now that's not to minimise what she did, but you'd have thought that would be the moment for any kind of a plea bargain. Not now. Okay, she might be able to mitigate her sentence a little bit if she agrees to cooperate, but she's still going to have to do some hard chokey. Is she fucked? (laughs) Is she going to have a whirly down the toilet? I mean, realistically, if she's... If she says to the authorities now, right, I will sing like a canary if you can mitigate my sentence, I think it's all too late because the verdict is in and the judge will decide and the judge doesn't need to have any consideration in in passing sentence as to what Jizzy Jizz might or might not say to the cops about other offenders. That I mean, and that might have... That's the kind of thing that might have helped your case if you were seeking out parole, but if there isn't possibility of parole in a federal prison, then that's irrelevant. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure that, I mean, we, we know there are many twists and tales to come in this. And I suppose the one thing that we should all look out for, and it sounds horrible to say it, but if there is the slightest suspicion among certain rich, powerful and influential parties that she might be about to squeal, maybe she will have a for- an unfortunate accident in prison like Jeffrey Epstein did. Mm, well, that's been on social media a bit, as has Love Is finishing each other's sentences with a picture of Jizzy Jizz and 
Epstein sitting at Balmoral. <laughs> Finishing each other's sentences. That's very good. There's one last thing. I think that um, it turns out that the Maxwell family are actually listening to the You Didn't Let Me Finish podcast. Shall I tell you why I think that? Go on. Well, I was I, I happened to notice that uh, one report said that while the trial was underway, Ian Maxwell, that is Jizzy Jizzy's brother, who, as we have talked about before, attended some of the days of the trial in, in New York. He apparently wrote an article for the Spectator in which he put across his sister's defence. But that article started with a reprimand to the media corps. He said they'd been pronouncing her name inaccurately. It's not Gislaine. He insisted it was Gillen. And as far as I'm aware, we're the consistent Jizzy Gislaine offenders. <laughs> we're willfully offending. Oh, I'm very offensive. I think we've been doing it quite well when we want to. What, in terms of being offensive? Saying Ghislaine. Have we? You, right from the beginning, said that Robert Maxwell had a yacht called the Lady Ghislaine. The Lady Jizz. That's Jeffrey Epstein's yacht. <laughs> the Lady does jizzeth. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there go all that bunch of pedos until the next time. Okay, so um, that's that for this uh, this particular one. We have got lots of stories coming up. There's stuff that people have sent to us. I mean, we would have tried to do more to get round to some of those things that we've talked about doing, like missing mm -hmm. persons. But, but there's been, been so lazy. much going on with Jizzy. A, a, it's been Christmas and New Year, and and Ben's had COVID. And I, I, I tested positive for COVID in the week, couple of weeks before Christmas. However, I, I barely was e even noticed I had it. I had a slight runny nose and a bit of a cough, and that was it. It lasted about two days. It's the, it's milder than a mild cold. But COVID was aside, it worth going everywhere unmasked, Ben? Plague household aside, <laughs> it has been that time of the year when nobody wants to do any work at all. Um, but in the new I year, can't even maybe get off the sofa. <laughs> I'm impressed you can even crawl onto the sofa. I'm so fat I can't get to the sofa. Have you <laughs> seen What's Eating Gilbert Grape? No. It's a I film with Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. He's a little boy. It's what, Caprio. And he's a little boy who looks after his extremely fat mother who's bedridden because she's so fat. Yeah. And I now refer to Gilbert Grape if I'm feeling like that. Oh, okay. What's like enormous eating? and can't get out of bed. You know, people who need cranes to get them out of bed. Crane. <laughs> I've got to be craned onto the toilet. It's actually yeah. such a good film. Well, the toilet would come away from the wall, wouldn't it? Yeah, probably if you were craned onto it. Has that ever happened when you sat Unless on the crane bed? just held you suspended. So you could point <laughs> sumo, and squirt. Sumo lovemaking style. Presumably those people who are really fat just end up shitting themselves, don't they? They have to wear giant nappies or something. Imagine the, the fallout from that. Like rhino poo. God, that sounds horrible. I Did really you hear what I said? Rhino poo. Has the time you ever broken the toilet, Ben? <laughs> I haven't ever broken a toilet. <laughs> and did you also miss my sumo lovemaking wrestling sling? <laughs> Honestly, if I don't respond, you just do, you just repeat it until you get kind of a response. Oh, I, <laughs> you can you can willingly not respond to that. But I thought it was quite interesting. They have to have a sling to to do it. Yes, those sumo wrestlers are strong and okay. They are big, but they they can move around. We're talking about people who are so fat they they can't support their own weight. 
on their atrophied legs. Oh, that you make it sound even worse. I know, but it was probably yeah. fun getting that way. <laughs> was it? That? But imagine, like we all stuff our faces. I presume at some points, unless there's you know there's reasons why you stuff don't... our faces over Christmas. Yeah, but you'd really have to really try. I always think this about being fat because I kind of try really hard in some sittings to be fatter. Isn't it invariably because the person they're with? Because these people are usually surprisingly perhaps in a relationship, and the person they're with is a feeder. Anyway, let's carry on with something gross. Again, listener introduced story. Thank you very much. A paedophile has been jailed after she had cocaine fueled sex with Alsatian. That basically says it all that a 60-year-old, Claire Goodyear, who I've got to say looks quite interesting, fantasised about it for a number of years before carrying out the disgusting act. Well, there's no other way of describing it, a court heard. Um, (laughs) She's from Northwich and appeared at Chester Crown Court and was jailed for 20 months. She'd previously been convicted of possessing indecent images of children in 2006 and 2009. And prosecutor Paulinus, good name, Paulinus Barnes, told the court that she was caught when police called... When police called in, I think they mean, on July the 19th, 2019, to carry out a routine check due to her being on the sex offenders register, they took a laptop which showed that she'd been searching for bestiality content online, the Northwich Guardian reports. And two years later, a full search of the computer was carried out and the officer discovered 31 indecent images of Goodyear taking part in a sex act with an Alsatian. <laughs> Mr. Barnes said she admitted possession of the images. Uh, she said she'd fantasized about it for a number of years and traveled down there in December 2018 and took part in a sex act with other people in the Alsatian dog. Um, when she was arrested on June the 17th this year, cops also found a memory stick in her handbag which showed the same images and three and a half grams of cocaine. When she committed the sex act on December the 16th, 2018, Oh, it's just the anniversary is just gone. She was also in breach of a previous suspended sentence order. They did say that it took place. So in her defence, they said that it took place three years ago. And so the picture now is one of sporadic offending, as if it somehow lessened it. Either way, she'll do everything asked for her by the court. And there are tentative signs of improvement in her attitude and approach. Doesn't sound great, does it? One thing that's interesting about this, I, I don't think that Claire Goodyear is the the smartest cookie in the jar, shall we say, because the one great thing that COVID has done for defendants arriving at court is it gives them a legitimate reason to wear a mask over their face so nobody can see who they are. Mm. And, mm. Yeah, Claire Goodyear turned up at Chester Crown Court with her mask exemption uh, lanyard show so everybody could see what she looked like well I think that she might have been quite proud of her sort of I think it's a wig and you her th- look what do you think is it a demi wig? <laughs> what's that well, volumising what's that coat is it like I mean, it looks like the coat's kind of made of teddy bear fur or something Oh, they're all the rage, I think. Oh, are they? Oh, obviously, I'm not in fashion when it comes to ladies' wear. Well, they're ra- all the rage with a certain group of individuals, but... What, um, so the paedophile Alsatian fucking group of individuals? Is it <laughs> who the paedo-Alsatian like fucking community? Well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who has, like, a weird, like, long hair comb over as well of the wig. 
If it's a wig, you don't need to comb it over, love. Hang on. So she travelled down. She took part in a sex act with other people and the Alsatian dog. When she committed the sex act, she was also in breach of a previous suspended sentence order. I mean, hang on. Isn't a sex act usually sort of prurient tabloid shorthand for a blowjob? Well, no, because it has to be. She's got a vag, hasn't she? Pardon? She's got a vag. <laughs> yeah, but. I mean, That's got to giving... be the quote of it the podcast. I mean, are they today. are they basically saying that she gave the dog a, blow, a blowjob? Oh, I thought they meant that they because I haven't I you heard all those weird stories. Job. It's like no, but a licky licky. What you got? She, you think she got the dog to lick her at? I think so because they put dog food on it. That's like the kind of my cousin <laughs> ate seven <laughs> put different dog food on it. Do you remember my cousin had seven different types of sperm in their curry? It's the same old man, old man's tale, old wives' tale. Um, yeah. about the put the thing dog is this just the yeah but the I thing frequent? is when she committed the sex act does that not suggest oh. that she is the active participant in maybe she just really committed to herself to it hapless alsatian maybe she was just really meaningful about it <laughs> either way actually the mind's boggling it's when you look at this have a look at her everyone anyway mm. she is been jailed for 20 months you are a long long way from changing your judge life. yeah that's what judge everett judge kenny everett i mean judge everett said and, and she long was way sentenced changing... she does look a bit like cupid stunt and she was sentenced in the <laughs> best possible day <laughs> <laughs> on that note it's been a long o podo i'm nearly it's asleep a, it's been a podo marathono <laughs> you didn't let me finish podcast at gmail.com we love hearing from you and we love you so much this new year we do hope you have a good one let's hope everybody has a wonderful 2022 yes and i know that all quite a lot of us have had quite difficult turbulent times and you didn't let me finish as being a way of sharing the misery <laughs> <laughs> and on that happy note i think we can't we can't top that that's perfect Woohoo! love you bye. even you benedict uh, bye 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 <laughs>